0: All right, we are going to be talking today about knowing your weapon. Knowing your weapon. Remember in the war series where we're talking about spiritual warfare, we mentioned three important things that we all need to know as Christians to be able to be successful in our spiritual battle that we are involved in. The first thing that we talked about was for us to know your enemy. Know your enemy. You've got to know what you're fighting. You've got to know what it is that is up against you. If you don't know what is up against you, you are not able to deploy the necessary uh, weapons or the necessary strategy against it. A doctor must know the diagnosis, must know the condition for it to be uh, treated, isn't it? And so it is necessary that we know our enemy. And we've gone through a lot in that series, we went through about 11, 11 of the enemies of the Christian as the scriptures teach us and we went into much detail with that. I would encourage you to go back to that series to refresh your mind. So know your enemy. The next important thing we need to know is to know your weapon, is to know your weapon. And again, this involves a lot, I cannot cover it all in this service. And so hopefully we will take it in parts and I'm I'm very sure to enter into next year even, is to know your weapon. Know your weapon. The first thing that we talked about that we need to know is to know your strategy. To know your strategy. And we'll come back to that one later. Today I want us to touch or to begin the series on knowing your weapon. Knowing your weapon. It is necessary that we understand, first of all, that the weapons of the Christian are not physical weapons. They are not physical weapons. We are talking about weapons of the spirit. Weapons of the spirit. are spiritual weapons that we have. How do I know? Remember, as I always say, if it is unsupported by the word, then chuck it in the bin. Amen. <laughs> so let's go into the scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and the verse number four. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and the verse number 4. There is one particularly important sentence there where it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Isn't that amazing? The weapons of our warfare. So you are involved in the warfare and the Bible says the weapons that you have for that warfare, they are not of the flesh. They are not carnal weapons. The King James Bible says, they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So please declare after me, in I have a strong weapon. I have a powerful weapon. And the Bible says, that weapon that you have is divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses i like to watch the old time movies the ones that talk about uh, you know the roman empire and the, those greek gods and so on those you know action movies where you see a king living in his palace and the palace is guarded within a strong fortress and i find it fascinating how that the fortress is able to protect is able to protect the king And so, you know, when they take over a fortress, then it means the kingdom has fallen. And the Bible says, the weapons that we have, no fortress, no fortress can prevail against it. In fact, a fortress is a high place. When an army is coming against the kingdom, the fortress of the king is so high and so lifted and so strategic that there are archers and there are all kinds of soldiers that are located at strategic places. And before you come near, they have already picked you up, so you will not have the opportunity to even come close to a fortress, because it is strategically located. There are also fortresses of the mind, fortresses of Satan against the Christian. And the good news, however, is that God says the weapons that He has given unto you, they are mighty for the destruction of all fortresses, not some, all. What a blessing! the blessing. That must make us rejoice. And so what are the weapons that we have? What are these weapons? They are mighty. We do know they are mighty. They are powerful. We do know they are powerful. They are great and strong. We do know they are great and strong. What are they then? We need to know what they are as Christians so that we can take advantage of them and use them in the spiritual battle that we are involved in. So I wanted to go with me now to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 to the verse number 17. Now the book of Ephesians is a very important, one of my favorite books actually in the Bible. It is a very important book that is divided into three parts. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians talks about you, the Christian, your position in Christ. So, in the first three chapters from chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, when you read it in the book of Ephesians, it tells you who you are in Christ, your positioning in the Lord. Then chapter 4 and chapter 5, it talks about how you walk in Christ, how you walk in Him. First, who you are, and then secondly, how you walk, and the last part of the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, talks about how you stand as a Christian. How you stand. And it's a very beautiful book, separated in this chapter, this this chapter separated by the word Amen. It's very unique. I love that book. I love to study the book of Ephesians. Beautiful book. Beautiful. And in this last chapter, which talks about how you stand, Apostle Paul mentions the weapons that God has given unto you and unto me. And so let's go into it verses 13 to the verse 17, Ephesians 6. It says, Therefore, take up the full armor of God, the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, to stand firm. So Paul is saying here to the Christian, you've got to take up the full armor of God. You've got to take up your entire armory. You've got to take up your entire arsenal. You've got to take it up. You've got to take up your weapons. You've got to know what the weapons are. And when you know them, you've got to take them up. Because you must stand in the evil day. There is a day coming. Which is called an evil day. There is a battle coming. Which is called an evil battle. There is a situation coming. It is called an evil situation. There is a circumstance coming and Paul says it is an evil day. It is not a matter of if. It is a matter of when. Because the scriptures cannot be broken. Are you with me? So he says to be able to resist in that day because that day is coming and we can do nothing about that day, to be able to resist in that day, what must we do? He says take up the full armor of God. Take up your weapons. A Christian who is walking about without his Or her amory is a Christian that is bound to defeat. That is bound to be defeated on the battleground. Rick Joyner, many years ago, Rick Joyner is a prophet of God. uh, And many years ago, he wrote a book. Uh, He says he saw in the spirit a battleground. And he saw on the field a lot of people who were wounded. They could not move anymore. They could not fight the battle anymore. When you look closely, they were all wounded. And the Lord said to him, those are my children, wounded on the battleground. Wounded Christians who are unable to arise and to fight. Who are unable to arise and to defeat the evil day that Paul talks about. They are wounded. Paul says, when you take up this full armor of God, you will be able to resist. And having done all, you will also be able to stand firm. Oh, please declare after me. I am, I am standing firm. Say it like you mean it. I am, firm. I am standing firm. In the verse number 14, Paul says, Stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Now he begins to mention the armor. He begins to mention the weapon. So watch carefully now. We are about to start uh, you know, going into a little bit more detail. He says, Stand firm therefore, having girded. Your loins with truth. I want to begin to picture it in your mind. Yes, as we read along, you need to get your loins with truth. With truth. Number two, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So, weapon number one is what? Truth. Are you with me? Weapon number one is your your loins get about with truth. Weapon number two, he says. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So there is something called the breastplate of righteousness. It's also one of your weapons. Then it goes to the verse number 15. And having shot your feet. So your feet must also have something covering it. It says it is called the preparation of the gospel of peace. That is also your weapon. The gospel is your weapon. The gospel of peace. The preparation of the gospel of peace is Your weapon. Other versions use the word readiness. 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 Readiness is so key as a weapon for the Christian. Jesus dedicated a whole parable to the readiness of the believer. And I'll come back to that when we talk about that weapon. Then he mentions in verse 16, In addition to all, you've got to take up the shield of faith. Another weapon is called the shield of faith. He says by that shield of faith, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So there are flaming arrows of the evil one against your life. For it to have an effect, it depends on whether you are carrying the shield of faith or not. It's the weapon. It's the weapon. Isn't it interesting? Let's go to the next one. And then he says, and take the helmet of salvation. There is also a weapon called the helmet of salvation. And then he also mentions another one. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the word of God is a sword in your hand. (laughs) Isn't it beautiful? It's a sword. Oh, I remember beautifully uh, some time ago, uh, Friday evening, we're praying. And the Lord showed me everyone holding it was a golden sword I saw in the hands of people. It was beautiful, beautiful. So there's a sword in your hand. There's a sword of the Spirit in your hand. It is your weapon. It is your weapon. Are you with me? All right. So today, let's dive a little bit more into the first one, which is truth. I'll come back to all the others you know later. It's, It's a very important series. We need to understand them one by one so we can launch into the deep. In faith, holding our weapons. So number one, truth. Truth. Know your weapon. Are you with me? And number one is what? The weapon of truth. The weapon of truth. Okay. You know, the word truth in the Greek, it appears in the New Testament over 120 times. Quite a good number of times in the New Testament. And the word in the Greek is the word aletheia. Now, I'm not a Greek person, and so my pronunciation obviously is wrong. Yes. Now, it means, but the meaning is this. It means the reality pertaining to an appearance. It also means the manifested. It also means the veritable essence of matter. And it means the unveiled reality lying at the basis of and agreeing with an appearance. That is truth truth so truth is unspotted truth is unveiled reality it is what it is it is not spotted by any stain that is truth how about in the hebrew in the old testament so this is the new testament now remember the new testament was written in greek and the old testament was uh, primarily written in hebrew with a very small portion written in aramaic So in the Hebrew also, the word truth occurs, again, more than a hundred times. And in the Hebrew, the word that is used for truth is the word imet or imeth. Again, I am not a Jew or a Hebrew speaking person, and so my pronunciation is wrong. But it is the meaning that I am interested in. That word in the Hebrew means firmness, firmness. It also means faithfulness. It means sureness. Sureness. It means reliability. It means stability. And it means continuance. Continuance. So in the New Testament, it refers to something that is unveiled and is real. In the Old Testament, it refers to something that is stable and solid. And something that has continuance. That is fair. That is faithful. That is truth. It is not surprising, therefore, you see the Lord Jesus say that verily, verily I say unto you, that is of a truth I am saying unto you. And that is God speaking to man. Why must he stress verily, verily? Because he knows that man, mankind, we have the ability to distort truth and the ability to not heed the truth. And so he says. What I am telling you, it is verily, verily. So you better pay attention to it. Verily, verily. Of a surety, of continuance, of a firmness, I am saying unto you. Verily, verily. So why is truth then a weapon of the Christian? Why is truth important for the Christian? It is important because truth is a bondage breaker. Please declare after me, truth is a bondage breaker. How do I know again if it's not supported by the word? What do we do? We check it in the bean. Are you with me? So let's go to the scripture. John chapter 8 and the verse number 32. John chapter 8 and the verse number 32. The Bible says, You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So truth is a bondage breaker. Truth is able to set free. Truth is able to break every chain. Truth is able to remove all kinds of prison doors out of the way. Truth is able to break every kind of ceiling holding you bound. Truth is a bondage breaker. It's a weapon. It's a weapon that you have. Truth. That is why it's important that we believe in the truth of God's word concerning our lives. So that you can be set free from all kinds of bondages. What is the truth of God's word concerning your life? Believe that one. You know, I found it interesting. when the Angel of the Lord came to Gideon, he says, "Gideon, mighty Man of Vela, are you kidding me? Gideon in his head, Are you kidding me? I'm a mighty man of Vela?" Ah." Uh-uh. In fact, the angel of the Lord met Gideon in a wine press. And he was threshing wheat in the wine press. That is madness. Nobody threshes wheat in the in the wine press. The wine press is a dark place where you stamp upon uh, the fruit of the vine, and it is dark so that it will allow fermentation to happen for wine to be produced. You thresh wheat in the open space so that when you are threshing the wheat, the wind can cause the chaff to blow away, and you can have good grains remaining. But Gideon, he was so timid and afraid of the Midianites. And he didn't want them to seize his wheat that he went and was hiding in the dark, threshing wheat. That is how timid he was. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, the angel didn't say to him, Gideon, oh, you look at you, very timid. Look at you, very timid. Gideon should be outside, threshing your wheat. Gideon, look at you, you are very timid. The angel said, Gideon, mighty man of valor. Gideon, man of war and strength. Gideon, man that is empowered by the Lord. Gideon, mighty man of hell. Gideon, that is who you are. God speaks the truth concerning your life, regardless of the circumstances of your present. And that is the truth you and I ought to hold on to. The truth of God's word concerning our lives. When you hold on to that truth, it breaks all kinds of bondages. It breaks all kinds of chains. It removes all kinds of boundaries in your way. It breaks all kinds of limitations. Truth of God's word. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Oh, please say to your neighbor, hold on to truth. Hold on to truth. Say it to annoy your neighbor, hold on to truth. On to truth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, what a blessing. Stay with me now for the next five minutes. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse number 1 says, Who has believed our report? And unto whom has the hand of the Lord been revealed? And so who has believed the report of the Lord? What report will you believe? Is it the report of what others say of you? Or is it the report of what God says about you? In fact, I would dare say, You dare not even believe in the report from your own mouth about you. Rather choose to believe the report of what God's word says about you. That is what I choose to believe truth is able to break all kinds of bondages. Who has believed our report? You know, in the Second World War, Winston Churchill, who was then the UK, the leader of the UK, I should say, the Prime Minister at the time, he said something, because it was a very treacherous time, and it was a very difficult time in the Second World War. And Winston Churchill said, which is now a very famous statement, he said, in wartime, Truth is so precious that she should always be guarded by a bodyguard of lies. Is <laughs> that In wartime, truth is so precious that she should always be attended by a bodyguard of lies. And in fact, we see that even happening today in the war in Ukraine. Where anything that comes out of the mouth of the leaders you know, perpetuating the war, you can see they are all lies. The truth is guarded by a bodyguard of lies. Because truth, when it is known, it is able to break boundaries. When it is known, it is able to destroy limitations. When it is known, it is able to expose the battle and to bring about a winner. And so truth, the Christian must hold on to the truth of God's word and not believe the lie that is surrounding it. Oh, please declare after me, I choose to believe in the truth of God's word concerning my life. Number two, truth is a Satan overcomer. Truth is a Satan overcomer. You know, Satan is referred to as the father of lies. Jesus actually called him so, the father of lies. In John chapter 8 and the verse number 44, Jesus said, You are of your father the devil, and the last of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. <laughs> I love Jesus. He just, he just goes for the juggler, isn't it? He doesn't hype, you know, he doesn't sort of embellish anything. He goes for it. And he says, Satan, you are a liar and the father of all lies. And so, if Satan is a liar and the father of all lies, how do you overcome a lie? overcome a lie by truth. And if Satan is equated to a lie and truth is what overcomes a lie, it tells you a lie that truth therefore overcomes the devil. That is why truth is what Jesus says he is. John chapter 14 verse 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the what? The truth And the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so to hold on to truth means to hold on to your faith in Christ. To hold on to truth means to hold on to God's word regarding your life. And his word is himself. Because he cannot be separated from his word. And Jesus says, I am the truth. And if you've got Jesus, then you've got an overcomer living on the inside of you. Oh, please declare after me, I am an overcomer. I am more than a conqueror. I am victorious in my going out and in my coming in. I am victorious. That is who you are in Christ. That is who you are in Christ. And so finally, what that therefore means, if truth lives in you and truth lives in me, what that means is we must also learn to speak truth one to another. Are you with me? And the Bible actually says that. Let's go to for it. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 25. Remember Ephesians chapter 4? It is in the second part of the book of Ephesians. As I explained earlier on the first three chapters. talks about who you are in Christ. Then chapter 4 and 5 talks about how we walk in him. And then chapter 6 talks about what? How we stand. So in chapter 4, how do we walk? One of the ways by which we walk in him, Paul says in verse 25, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak what? Truth, each one, to his neighbor. For we are members of one family. So truth, truth, truth. If I love it in an NLT, the New Living Translation. Let me read that one. It breaks the English down very well. It says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. It says, so stop telling lies. You know, it just reminded me of a story. One day, I saw—I was much younger then, I saw somebody do something really bad, and I went and reported it. And they called the person. And the person said, no, it is not true. Now, this person was obviously lying, like I saw, with my own eyes. He said, no, it's not true. I said, what? I said, I saw you. He said, no, it's not true. And the person began to speak in tongues, whilst lying. I'm not kidding you. I've seen a few things in my life. And <laughs> the began to speak in tongues. No, it's not true. Yabba, 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 yabba. It's not true, yabba. I said, what? Now I became confused. Am I, was I dreaming? When I, I, I was shocked. I was shocked. I was overcome with shock. I, over, I was shocked. Christians who lie and spiritualize the lie. <laughs> if they are not victorious against the devil, they blame God. It's because there is no truth in you. And truth is a weapon to defeat the enemy. If there is no truth in you, how can you then speak against the works of darkness? And overcome. How can you speak? There's so much lie in the tongue that when you speak against the devil, the devil isn't sure whether what you are saying is the true thing or is a lie. So the devil is even confused, doesn't know what to do with what you are telling him to do. Because truth is not on your lips. So you've got no authority in your lips to cast out devils anymore. Because there's no truth. So the Bible says, truth. Speak truth one to another. Who is the truth? Jesus is truth. He lives in us, and so we ought to walk as He walked. He walked in truth, we ought also to walk in truth. Because it is a weapon that God has given unto you and has given unto me. Please rise up with me and let's close. Thank you, Jesus.